Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to the Scottish Rugby Podcast, brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog. I am Cammy Black. Um, we've got a probably a, a fairly short podcast tonight for the main podcast, but patrons, don't worry, you're in for a treat with our Patreon special. Um, joining me this evening to catch up with some of the news that's been going on in the world of Scottish Rugby, we have John on Anderson. Good evening, John. Good evening, Cammy. Well, you managed to spit that out just about there. That was good. Just about the problem is what happened, John, as you know, because you you joined me in the green room before we logged on. I've tried to down a, a bowl, <laughs> a decent bowl of chips. I mean, look, that's that's the size of what we're talking about. It was um, a pretty decent bowl. I watched you absolutely you shuffle in the, the three minutes of the theme song. I've got. I can report. I've got about eight chips left in here, so I'm gonna have to. Someone's gonna have to monologue at some point so I can finish those bad boys before they go cold. Um. Also joining us this evening, we have Johnny McGinty. Good evening, Johnny. Good evening. I uh, ate my dinner very um, early this week, so I'm all good. You're fine. You're not wolfing it down just as you come on air. This is my second tea, to be fair. It's not like last week when I went back for seconds. Yeah, well, I went, I went back for seconds of risotto last week. We've also got Craig Manson with us as well. Craig, fresh from, just fresh in the door, Craig. Yeah, um, uh... <laughs> Uh, just as yourself, uh, just uh, shoveling while we uh, while we chat. Um, so it was, uh, you know, unlike Johnny McGinty, I was at training tonight. So, um, hey! you know. <laughs> <laughs> Briefly, apparently. Uh, we start at 6.30 till, till 8. Don't worry about it. We're not uh, we're not the same as, you know, we don't start an hour earlier than you do. It's cause, is that because it's the vets, Craig? Is that just because everyone has an earlier bedtime? No, 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 no. We just, uh, just uh, Persia. Um, it's uh, Persia senior men, so we, uh, we, um, we start um, a little bit uh, earlier than than I'm used to um, with my. We never expressly said, Craig's... We said that Craig's a dirty turncoat traitor, didn't we? We should probably cover that. <laughs> <laughs> so why, why have you left Tower Five then, Craig? Um, I have left Tower Five for the the reason of development i want to develop as a coach and also they didn't have anything for me so i uh i, I was going to take a year out and my, and my my wife and my son all expected me to take a year out and then i got an opportunity to work with um a couple of coaches that i know that are going to be fantastic uh will really develop me as a coach so um i had to take it with two hands you know there we go and then I deal with all the rubbish the seniors at how and then he decided he wasn't going to get involved Exactly. Well, I thought if the standards I heard, was going to get that low. <laughs> <laughs> I, had someone, I had someone got involved with the seniors at Howe, said, I'll play if you need me, and then uh, refused at the first opportunity, Johnny. Oh! Uh, I did not refuse. No, no. I've, I've, I've said I, I am available, but I am complaining loudly about it, because what I said was, I'll sit on the bench for the occasional home game if you really need me. 
And then the first game of the season is on Saturday and it's away. And the coaches text me on Monday and said, are you available on Saturday? That's not what I agreed to, but okay. I'm just thinking, hang on a minute, you know, I'll sit on the bench at the occasional home game. Is that not a bit like, um, you know, sitting out waiting for the, oh, I want everyone to watch me. Look here, I'm at home. Oh, 100%. We, yeah, we've played for a long time. I'm, I'm not a difference maker, let's be honest. <laughs> I'm not going to win any games. Excuse I me, excuse me, Johnny. Excuse me, Johnny. If you go on the pitch when you're needed, you're a difference maker. Don't you tell yourself anything different. Fake's <laughs> clearly in coaching mode, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we talk a lot in rugby about painting a picture, and that's all Johnny's doing. He's painting a lovely picture of being present when everybody at the club can see him, rather than yeah, absolutely, rather than a picture of, of when only the hardy souls that get on the bus can see him. Um, <laughs> So anyway, welcome to the podcast this evening. We've got a, a few bits and bobs of news to 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 dodder through or sugar through. We'll come to that in a moment um, as we get through the podcast. Um, we've had the um, the training squad for the XV5s. So I've got that right. Yeah, XV5s, XV12s, XV5, XV2. I get number with Xs and Bs. WXV, that's it. This, this, the WXV2. So the um, the Scotland Women's Squad's been announced on the training squad. Um, I, I, there's not there's a couple of there's not many surprises. I mean, it's good to see the um, the the players that have been away with the sevens back. Craig, I think that the big thing for me was we st- some of the players that kind of really shone during the Six Nations aren't on pro contracts yet, <laughs> and that's yeah, that's surprising. Yeah, it's it's especially when they said they were going to be, you know, putting them in place, um, and how you know they were getting extra funding, and they've got this new sponsorship deal with um, with a fossil fuel company, etc. You know, you would have thought that these there was going to be extra money power. around. Yeah, um, and also they've got you know the um, yeah the, the 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 problem you have is that the, there were some significant new players coming through and they made a huge difference to the squads. Um, so, but then again, it may be that they have, and, and, you know, don't, um, you know, far be it for me to criticize the SRU or not criticize the SRU. So it may be that you find that, that they've made the decision not to take the pro contracts yet. They may have been offered. You just don't know. Um, so, um, as long as they're involved in the, uh, in the, the, the women's XV or the WXV or whatever you want to call it. Um, as long as they're involved and they're getting game time, I'm happy. And then hopefully um, we'll see them uh, onto their pro contracts. Um, but we could we could probably also mention um, uh, another surprise piece of news uh, with the women's squad as well. But I'll, uh, yep. we can talk about that in a minute. We'll come, we'll come so. to that in a moment. I mean, I, I think I think Craig's got a, a fair point there, Johnny. I think that we don't know what what has been offered and what's been turned. My, I can only assume that Francesca McGee has been offered so many contracts that she's taken six months out of the game to consider which one's the best way forward because she was the big surprise name, I think, for me that, that hadn't what what that hadn't got a pro contract. And you would think that the way the Six Nations went, I mean, she's been talked of very highly in, in a lot of quarters that probably the biggest name that hasn't got a, a pro contract yet as far as we're aware. Yeah, that did kind of take me by surprise. Um, but you know, I think I think Craig's probably spot on. You know, that's it's a lot of players with a lot of options. 
uh, and she she is very much top list. So uh, I wouldn't necessarily say that just because she's not on one of the SRU pro central contracts that it's, that her rugby career isn't progressing very well. But it is a bit of an eyebrow raise that that she's not involved with the SRU pro system. I would say. Craig alluded to some of the news there, John. Matt Banahan has been appointed the um, attack coach for Scotland Women, which is a high-profile name. Now, Matt Banahan, as far as I I know and and from what I can tell, has been doing a lot of academy work and and has coaching experience. My, My reservation with this is it's a big name appointment, I don't. I don't know what his pedigree is. Yep. But it feels like uh, you, you would be. I guess you'd be taken aback if that that appointment was made in the men's game. I guess. And I, I think there's a wider conversation we may get on to. Um, there's been some debate on Twitter this week about uh, capitalism and women's rugby. Um, but it's on the one hand, it's you know, it's a, it's a named appointment. On the other hand. I don't know what experience he has because he, he's not long out of the game. Yeah, right. So so let's backtrack that. Yes, it's a named appointment in that he has a pedigree in professional rugby. He he was a professional rugby player. One of, of, of fairly, you know, it was, it was fairly well regarded as an international. For me, this appointment from Matt Banahan's side is a brilliant appointment because all it is is him putting an international name on his CV before he moves into the men's game. For the women's game, it is back to exactly what we've discussed a hundred times in this podcast about coaches. You know, when the women's game don't want coaches who just want to better their CV so they can get a men's gig. You're absolutely right. Matt Banahan wouldn't have got a gig at Scotland International men's team. He wouldn't have got a gig at the English team. Well, he might have actually based on how shambolic they are at the moment, but... Um, you know, the the fact is he doesn't have any pedigree other than some academy work. So why has he been handed the reins to an international attack? Conversely, Gregor Townsend was in a very similar position when he was handed the reins to the Scotland attack back in back in the day. So is it a Scottish thing that we just take a punt on people that maybe you know up and coming coaches that maybe show a wee bit of potential? Potentially, you know, maybe that's maybe that's our thing. But I, I think from Banahan's perspective, this is literally a tick box. If he's there in two years' time, you can absolutely call me anything. I will, I will literally eat whatever you want. Name your name your price in two years' time. If he's still in the Scotland women's attack coach job, I will eat anything. I'm aware it's massively unlikely, right? Yeah. But, but um. I don't. I don't think we can say for sure that Matt Banahan just wants to be a men's coach. Like maybe he does want to be a women's coach. We don't know that. I think it's very unlikely, but you never know. That's a fair. That's a fair point, Johnny. Thank you for the voice that Johnny McGinty there, the voice of reason on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I suppose I'm, when, I'm, when I'm right, and we'll, we'll talk. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, Craig, it's it is. I mean, you know. He, he he could have impressed the interview. He maybe does have some good skills, some good potential, something that that Brian Eason's looking for and is excited to work with. But uh, you know, I, I, it feels—I don't know—it feels like wh- wh- where 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 are the women coaches in Scotland coming from? 
there are some high profile women coaches that are coaching from, from Scotland who are coaching overseas um and have have that experience. I don't I, I don't understand where where the Matt Banahan appointment has come from. And I don't I, I but at the same time, you've got someone new, you've got someone a young coach coming in who can bring exciting new ideas to the game. You know, why not why not take the opportunity, I suppose, as a team? I think yeah, you've 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 basically answered my my points that I was going to say, Cami. Uh, I think there's a, it's a two two edged sword. Uh, it's one. Um, it, it's great to have someone who is very very uh, very recently re- retired, so he's been involved in the professional game for a long time. Um, he can he can give a huge amount of advice to. Everyone's involved in the squad. He can work with them. They they, they can gain from his experience. Um, and I'm always complaining that we we don't involve younger players who have just retired into into whether it's refereeing or whether it's coaching, etc. As much as maybe I I would like to see. On the other side, uh, I was having this this fun enough. I was having this discussion tonight at training with someone that it is disappointing that we're not seeing any of the young female coaches coming through um, getting opportunities. Um, I know there's a couple of coaches that I I would have liked to have seen involved, and I know that probably one of them doesn't want to leave the current post because she's developed that post and developed that that, that what, everything that's around her. So I, I wouldn't expect her to jump. And, and leave it all behind. But on the other side of things, we are looking at, and I again, to quote Lisa Martin, um, we want someone in post within the Scotland squad who wants to, it's their pinnacle of coaching, is to, is to, co- is to coach women's, uh, Scotland women. We're, we're not wanting this sort of, this, this um, sort of uh, conveyor belt of, People using Scotland women as a stepping stone to get get another coaching gig. So, but as Johnny says, we do, we don't know. You know, I'm, we're jumping at conclusions. I I just think that as as long as all the all the Scotland women who are involved in the, the, the involved in the squad absolutely um, take as much knowledge from him as they possibly can about not just being a playing the game but also being a professional rugby player. Um, then fingers crossed. Um, uh, you know, fingers crossed, they can. Uh, it's going to make a difference. You know. Yeah, I suppose that 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 kind of question, the what you know, we get learning Johnny about what it is to be a professional rugby player. We, I think, we have to kind of acknowledge. I think there was the story, or certainly some of the Instagram posts from the Wallaroos this week, that the experience of being a Matt Banahan professional <laughs> rugby, his experience of being a professional rugby player is is going to be markedly different to. The majority, if not all, women's professional rugby players. I mean, we had the Wallaroos this week posting that they were stuck in Canada, pretty much had to make their own way back, or flown an economy out there to play a game. Whilst you know the the Australian men's team were flown first class out to France, the wives and girlfriends were flown out as well. And there is a disparity of treatment between men and women's um, in the men and women's game right now. And I think that is true of in Scotland as well and I don't you know the the American football not American football American soccer now the men and the women are paid equally at national level and that has to surely that that kind of 
has to be a starting point with it all at national teams in rugby as well. Yeah, South African cricket just did the same thing this week. Announced that they'll they'll give their men and women equal match fees. And you know we've we've said this time and time again. You can you can start handing out professional contracts and you can start shelling out money for professional coaches, but you need to have professional support and a professional environment, or you're wasting money. Like, if if they're not getting the support and, and resources and treatment that they need to fulfil their full potential, then all all the great players and all all the great coaches in the world will never get over the last hump because you cannot expect people to fly economy for 16 hours when some of them are taking time off work. And, like, you could have Eddie Jones and Steve Hansen if you wanted them, but if you're not in the right situation, it doesn't matter how good you are. So there has got to be decent money available, not just for player contracts and for coaches, but for the resources and the support systems that they need to make it worth it. Otherwise, you're wasting your money. John, I got into it on uh, the old Twitter.com this week about a couple of the, with a couple of guys who, who their argument back to that was capitalism. That was that was all I got back. Well, it's capitalism. Capitalism, I think, right? Okay. To, to a certain extent, I think within the I sat my hands through all of that. I know. Well done. That was that's growth, Johnny. Um, <laughs> the, um, I from the club game, right? I can see it. Because as as much as the kind of left wing kind of winger within me would love to say, right, everybody, every, equal pay for everybody in the club game. And, and unless everybody across the whole of the sport signs up to that, then you can't compete with French teams because you know we're, we're, you know you're already playing catch up from a Scotland point of view. So because there are market forces within the club game, those forces aren't to play within the international game. And I think that is one area where it can there can be a leveling up of facilities of coaching of investment and I mean, I'll, as i made the point on twitter you know women's rugby is the fastest brand of one of the fastest growing sports in the world it's the fastest growing brand of rugby we you know at this stage you know women's rugby is amazon and men's rugby is woolworths on the high street hoping it can stay open a little bit longer that's a that's an amazing analogy actually yes um so women's rugby absolutely absolutely is the growth area. Women's sport in general, as you're seeing, you know, the women's football world cup setting records right, left, and center. You know, the argument, the capitalism argument was based on the idea that people wouldn't turn up to watch women's sport. That has been absolutely categorically blown out the water between you know the football, the, the World Cup, the Euros uh, last year, the rugby world cup watching you know england selling out twickenham uh the england you know the england women's team selling out twickenham the the interest is there and the quality of the product is there it's now just a case of catch-up and i think you know the longer that i say the longer that certain people um fight this and are you know desperate to keep things just the way they are well you're just perpetuating exactly what people hate about rugby um this is a massive opportunity we spoke about it last week about you know the women's game are not exactly they're not exactly shackled with the nonsense that is the men's game and some of the um traditions we have in the men's game 
they've got a huge opportunity to create an a, an amazing brand, uh, and I think I think they're well on track for that. And a smart union would see the opportunity in that and then reward it accordingly and and start pushing that because um, th- this is going to be a situation where the the, fir- the first first unions to go with this are going to be the ones that reap massive rewards from it and. England are already ahead of everyone in this, but Scotland could be doing more and should be doing more because we we can make a lot of money out of this. At the basics of capitalism in the first place, any business that you're starting, you have to invest. Yeah. You have yeah, to put money into a business. And and what the Red Roses have done is they have, it took them their time, but they eventually invested in the Red Roses and look at where they are now. And they're selling out. Sorry, the capitalism argument would say that there wasn't a market there for that. When there clearly is, and none of us are sitting here saying that, but the capitalism argument would say there's not a market for women's sport, there's not a market for women's rugby, when there clearly is. It's just just a straw man argument. It's nonsense. To use a Craig's phrase as well. Sorry, Craig. No, no, carry on, man. Sorry, you go, Craig. What, to use no, one of your phrases, what what really rips my knitting about this as well is that <laughs> that's like that's all well and good as an argument, but actually, and I understand it's important for the unions to make money because that's what keeps the games going, and we do have to have money to fund the games. But the primary function of a national union is not to make money; it is to be a steward and guardian of the game. So you can't go well. Of course, your union's not investing in women's rugby because that doesn't make business sense because it doesn't make money that's not their job their job is to make sure that rugby is the healthiest place it could be in and if that means you put a bit of money into the women's game not expected to get any money back well tough that's that's how running a national governing body works you're not running amazon but this but this is the problem and this is god i've been having this argument for so long nowadays it just gets you Rugby clubs across Scotland, rugby clubs across Australia, rugby clubs across Ireland, they will not back their women's teams in their rugby clubs until the until the union backs their women's teams. Yep. Now I was I was a little bit um, uh, encouraged that now Scotland are selling um, season passes for the. For the the women's games, the women's six nations, you know, there were all of the Scotland women's games throughout the season. I've seen them coming up, and I think that's that's great news um, that we're getting to this point where we're starting to sell tickets similarly to the men, the men's games, so that people can go and buy, and and they have access to to ways of getting tickets and getting seats, etc. But it it's, it's far 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 too slow, far far too slow. We're sitting there looking at, you know, I'm I'm lucky enough to see. Persia have really, you know, have really embraced the women's team. They work hard. They've got they've got senior men coming from the the the, 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 um, the senior men's team coming in and helping coaching, etc. To to build build a, a a big team because that it's another. As I say, I've said this many many times. It's another set of me- memberships. It's more money coming through the club. Mm. So it's just constantly frustrating. And I'm a man. I'm, you know, I shouldn't be talking about being frustrated at women's rugby. It's, it, you know, it's. Yeah. 
I think the thing, and, and the other point about well, there isn't a market for it is that there isn't a market because no one's created a market for it. And the people, you know, you, you have to put it on. You, you can't just say, well, no one wants to watch it on telly if it's not on the telly. You have to kind of at least test it first. And actually what that's shown is there is an audience for it on the telly. Yeah. There was, a very there good was audience for the telly. There is an audience. There, you will sell tickets to the women's rugby. And it, and it is like the men's rugby. is Nobody's going to go and watch Scotland women get hooked every week in, no. week out. You need to invest to have a good product for people to want to come and see. And, you know, I think, Johnny, Johnny you'd shared on one of the group chats we were in was a guy, an American guy, and it, you know, first watch it's a little bit kind of, I was like, oh, all right, mate. But he makes a point saying, you know, he's he was watching sport with he put sport on for you know, he's watching sport all the time, and his daughter's not that interested. But it's because he watched men's sport. He's you know, stick women's sport yeah. on the telly, and his daughter's interested. And I think that's what. Yeah, he that's said, what people, you know, did he not say that she like he was saying that they go and kick a football around, and like he takes her swimming and he takes her to all sorts of stuff, and and he saw her watching. Or he, she saw him watch a sport one day and came in and said, oh, do girls not play sport? And he's like, well, what are you talking about? You play sport. I take you out to play sport. And she's like, yeah, but I never see you watching girls playing. Yeah. And that's true. You yeah, look at the lioness. You look at the lionesses. I mean, that, it's, um, I, I, you know, my, my daughter has no interest at all in watching men play sport, but absolutely loves, we'll, we'll, we'll happily sit and watch England women play. I mean, I'm I'm not that happy about it, but there you go. <laughs> it's, it's a different story. <laughs> to to different be argument. fair, they're, they're a very very good team, and I I've, I thoroughly enjoyed watching them, even in the World Cup final. Yeah, well, I'm pleased that result went that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm keeping my counsel on that. That's fine. Yeah. Anyway, um, we, so, we don't have to uh, live in England. Yeah, that's that is that's fair. True. Some of some of us are going to have to. Some of us are going to see Scotland versus England women at the Stadium of Light, um, oh, and uh, yes. <laughs> have to, uh, the, the instructions on the tickets are very clear about keeping uh, not being a Scotland fan in England. Then, so I'm going to have to be very, very self-restrained. Um, the, the Stadium <laughs> of Light is a bit of a. I mean, anyone who's been at the Stadium of Light knows fine well that that's a lie, and it's it, it's a horrible stadium. It's a dreadful place. <laughs> There's no light. Speaking of the stadium, the, the, the stadium of light, um, it is one of the venues. For I'm the glad movie. you're looking forward to it. It's one of the world. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to going there. It's the Women's World Cup venue in 2025, which is even got Stadium of light. One, they've got um, York, which is a terrible. That is genuinely a terrible stadium on the back of the Tesco. Yeah, yeah. That's an awful yeah. stadium in York. Um, we've got Manchester um, and some others. There's, I'm, I'm looking at one of them. Various maps being produced. One of the maps puts Sunderland somewhere in the middle of the Scottish borders that I saw. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean that's exciting. It's exciting again. You've got, so what we've got two two years till the World Cup in England. Um, a couple of you know two if not three venues very close to Scotland. So um, I think Scotland have to qualify because I think we we were bottom of the group in the world in the World Cup. So there will be qualification. But um, fingers crossed the way the team's playing. You would hope hope they'll be there. Um, Shall we move on then? Let's talk about, should we talk about Georgia? The Georgia game at the weekend. We've got the Scotland team has been announced. Lots of panic, John, about it being a reasonably full-strength Scotland side. But I think Gregor Townsend and others have made the reasonable point that it's a this is you know it's a long tournament and you've got a fair gap till we get to South Africa. You need every match fit and resting people for a few weeks isn't gonna 
I mean, the turn-up match fit. Yeah, and also, and no, nobody's saying this in the press, but our tournament rests in that first week and the last week. Like, the, the games in the middle will win those, even if we take an absolute, like, you know, apocalyptic amount of injuries. We're, we're still going to win those two middle games. Tonga, yeah, that'll be a stretch, but we should still win that game comfortably. Romania, it turns out, funnily enough, who predicted it? The Vern Cotter effect is not a thing. It turns out they're actually still rubbish. Who would have thought it? Like, I, 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 I'm shocked. Genuinely, I'm shocked. Scottish rugby fans, yet again, you, you, you like, I, I'm so, so, so pleased for you. Um, you know that that this isn't an impending doom that you've foreseen. You know, right? So literally, this, this, clearly, the South African. I think Townsend realizes. Actually, Ireland, we probably can't beat Ireland because we've got it in our heads that we can't beat Ireland. South Africa is probably the game, first first game of the group, you know, catching South Africa cold. That This is the one they're targeting and having a full-strength team, match fit, ready to go is really important for that. So I, I think, you know, like people are saying, well, what if Finn Russell gets injured? Well, you know, the same outcome happens, we lose in the groups. Okay, cool. You know, all right, that's a shame. We've not seen Finn Russell at the World Cup, but like we have to be ready. You know, like what if Finn Russell goes in undercooked? We lose in the groups. You know, I think Townsend's been actually, and you know, I'm a total critic of him. I think he's been quite smart here. Um, maybe Romania should have taken uh, Jason O'Halloran. Maybe they got the wrong, uh, the wrong good coach from his time in Scotland. Scotland. You need to have them but, as a pair. Well, they've cl- they're clearly they're clearly the the Romanian hiring team were clearly on certain forums in Scotland and have realised that Vern Cotter is actually like you know he's not even the saviour. He is like the saviour saviour. You know, it's it's just the best coach that ever. It's basically the Shawn Michaels of coaching. The best there is. Oh, that's that's pretty hard. <laughs> so, <laughs> Best I think people, is, people forget. Was, people forget. I think the early early parts of Uncotter's reign until Jason O'Halloran turned up and sorted everything out. But anyway, we we digress. Um, good to see Ben White look back, though, Craig. Yeah, and I think I think I think it's a it's an excellent opportunity. Um, I think I, I agree with John. I think um, you know, even if they said, "Oh, let's rest Finn Russell, but but play the rest," well, no, we need that. We need Ben White to be playing with Finn. Um, to get him back up to speed because he, he, he you know, in, in all, we haven't, you know, in all these games, he's, he's not had a lot of games playing with Finn Russell outside him. So, uh, uh, you know, he's played with, with Blair Kinghorn outside him a couple of times. And so we, we need him to be uh, as switched on because he is, I think, we're pretty much set that he's going to be our starting nine. Um, uh, in in the big games, so we really need we need him to be there. I I agree. I I think you know we need to we need to just be at our absolute top level in the highest gear we can possibly get. Any other um, phrases, stop phrases that you want me to use, we need to be at that level because we need to be ready for South Africa. Because I totally agree with John. If we're going to have a good World Cup and if we're going to have a miraculous World Cup, we've got to beat South Africa. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, the, the interesting thing for me, Johnny, is is fullback because you've got Ollie Smith named at fifteen. We haven't got Blair Kinghorn at all in the in the match day squad, and then on the bench you've got George Horn, Ben Healy, and Chris Harris. Which n- none of those are 
or, or recognised fullbacks. Darcy Graham, I think, has played there occasionally for Embra. So, I think for, for if you're looking for experimentation or testing depth, that's where I think it's being tested. Is what happens if we drop? At, you know, when we have to shuffle things around at the back. Yeah, um, Dar- Darcy played fullback against Tonga in the autumn a couple of years ago, and I was at that game and. Like, I love Darcy as much as everybody else and probably a little bit more, but I have no desire to ever see that happen again. Um, I guess the other option with Harris on the bench would be that Hugh Jones goes to fullback and Harris goes to 13. So there's there's a couple of kind of little bits and pieces, but um, yeah, this is the game to test that out uh, because, yeah, it's thin. Ben Healy is the other one. He's played. I think he's played a little bit at Munster. Um, and obviously has an absolutely monster boot, similar to Blair Kinghorn. Um, so there's, yeah, there's a couple of choices, but we'd, we'd want to probably try a bit of that out on Saturday and see what the options are. I mean, in the in the pack, Craig. I mean, even even the pack is fairly experiment, not experimental, but it, but it's it's te- testing the depth. I mean, you can't imagine that the you know, Batty Cherry and Nell are going to be the front row that goes up against the box in the first game. Well, I, I don't think so. I think I think they're you know Schumann's played every game. I think um, so. I think he, he's he's needing a rest to be perfectly honest. So um, and and they need to give Batty as much as much time as they possibly can. So um, I you see I'm I'm confused. Well, no, I'm not confused. That's the wrong word. I think Dave Cherry is a is a a dark horse in this one because you have to think of Turner's great, don't get me wrong Turner is, is very dynamic on the pitch and, he, and, uh, and also in the loose but we are starting to question, our, our line out is still not great so, you know, um, and that does start from hooker position so uh, what I would say is that Cherry, he may not be as dynamic as, as, as Turner around the field but you, you do have someone who has the calmness of an older head, and will and, and will be able to, and, he, and he's pretty good with his darts. So, well, well, you know, maybe they're testing it out. You just don't know. With Tuni, it could be anything. You know, it could be trying to select the the sexiest fifteen that he has in his <gasps> squad. That's that, why Dave Cherry starting. Seriously, good looking boys in that fifteen. To be fair, like you know, just just putting everything aside for a second, that is a mighty good looking fifteen. I would even I mean, say it's not far off. That is that is not far off the, the the best looking fifteen you could select out of that current Scotland World Cup squad. Correct. Yeah, I would. I would drop Jamie Batty for obvious reasons. Um, not because would you human. though? I'd, yeah, I would. Oh, come yeah, on, would Schumann's, Schumann's, no, Schumann's no. eyes and his hair. Oh, dear, no. dear. Right, but ultimately, me and Jamie Batty clearly don't see eye to eye. Right, because he's taller than me. <laughs> yeah, um, but whose fault is that though? Because he didn't, he didn't start coming at you on Twitter, did he? Let's be honest. Only one person obviously... started that, and it wasn't Wombat. He's, he's obviously watching my, my my posts. That's all I'm saying, mate. I think it's just a type. I just don't think I don't. I, I just I think probably I, I, I'd go back to over Schumann. Oh, from a from an aesthetics yeah, point of view, no, I don't yeah. not at all, not that's at all. Big. That's big. That's a big call. Shubin looks like he can't grow a beard, and that's a problem. There you go. Sorry? Shubin looks like he can't grow a beard, and that's a problem. Yeah, you don't want those chiselled looks. 
uh, destroyed by a beard. No, he, look, he looks <laughs> like with that big greasy hair, he looks a wee bit weird. <gasps> like it I'm smells like... so nice though. It's lovely. <laughs> I love I love I love Pierre Schumann as much as the next man, but he does look like a factory reject cabbage patch doll. <laughs> he has got Cherry, slight... on the other hand, I'll I'll go with Dave Cherry is a beautiful looking human. Yeah, yeah. I do. I, uh, with, with I'm Schumann, not sure about the second row. Just... I'm going to just pull the team up. Uh, Sam Skin um... is probably the best. Best look. Sam Skin is one of the better looking. Well, that's Grant, what I was Grant, thinking. No. Yeah, Gil Chris, no. No, Richie Dodge Dempsey is as good as you're going to get, I think, across the back three. Dar- Darge's got a wee bit of the squished yeah. face about him. I'm not sure about that. It's the he's got it. He's got the look um, of a night. He's got the look of a World War II fighter pilot, though. Look of a World War II fighter pilot. Yeah, you can see him that entire tie back row. I could see walking slow motion towards gun turrets in a B-52 bomber. If if that back row was in season two of SAS Rogue Heroes, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Obviously, um, White, White and Russell. I mean, is, yeah, I think that's the best looking halfbacks. Yeah. But I'd go Healy, White over yeah. Price. Yeah, best one in the world, Healy probably looks a little bit like there, there's questions out about, you know, if he's on a register. The moustache needs to go. That mustache the moustache needs to go. Awful. But then you know he's 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 fallen the same. You know I'm sur- I wouldn't be surprised if he owns uh, uh, Dash and Dogs. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I mean then I mean I think um, who Pilotos that's 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 an arguable Duhan and Darcy. Yeah. Uh, Ollie Smith over Blair Kinghorn. I think absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. And Darcy needs to lose his moustache though. His moustache. Darcy's moustache is just. Darcy, Darcy yeah, actually. Yeah. yeah. I would I would probably take Steno over uh, over Darcy just now, just as a right like, yeah, he, until until Darcy sorts his face out. Yeah, because Steno's got yeah. like a he's got like a an, an everyday man look about him. You know, he's like yeah, you can see where he's at. He's got a wee bit of confidence about himself because he's scoring tries for fun. I reckon key, I reckon Steno at the moment. The key bit of analysis here for tonight is that Dar- Darcy and Ben Healy lose the tashes and you're in with a lose chance the of us. There's only the minor hurdle of our of our sexuality that go overcome but lose the tash and who knows. <laughs> yeah, and you might be in our top 23 if something drastic happens to our sexuality. Yeah. You'll be on my you'll be on my little laminated card of uh, of of <laughs> who's acceptable. <laughs> exactly. There you go. That that in is the right light in the right mood. Who knows, boys? That's what we'll that's what we'll leave it. At that. <laughs> <laughs> Depends how they get on it South, against South Africa. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, this is true, King. This is true. This is very very true. Look. um, on that note, I don't. I think we've we've covered everything we need to cover this week. Look, we, we'll be back for the main podcast next week with um, with with a review of the Georgia game, a bit more build up to the World Cup, um, other bits of news. Patreons, hang about because we're going to do a, a Patreon, a very special Patreon um, episode in a moment. We've got Bandersnatch two, um, 
I'm going to put these guys through a create your own adventure for the World Cup. Um, we did Band of Scotch one last time round. It was a lot of fun. Um, let's see if this one's as good. We, we'll launch it in the next couple of weeks um, on on the on Twitter and on 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 uh, on the blog. But patrons get a, a special sneak peek tonight, and we'll also finally be talking about Bluey. Johnny and I are going to just spend a few, a little time talking about Bluey, particularly the State of Origin episode. And John can tell us if he got through all 400 episodes on Disney Plus this week. <laughs> but on that note, it is goodbye from me and goodbye from John, Craig, and Johnny. Bye. Bye. Ciao.